Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer here at Nurse.org. And I think today is going to be a wonderful treat for us to talk about because nursing, all work, no play, right? Well, now we're going to talk about some playtime and actually some really fun times. And in fact, let me go ahead and introduce my guest. I have Tiffany Stewart. She's a nurse. And check this out, guys. She was one of the contestants on Let's Make a Deal Nurses episode, which is going to be airing Nurses Week this May. So get ready for that. And, you know, it's really exciting to, I've never been on a game show and you know, as nurses work so much and to now have, to, we're going to be watching, right? You guys have to tune in for this, watching an episode of Let's Make a Deal, which by the way, for those who may not know, it's a daytime game show. It's filmed here in Los Angeles and it's hosted by the singer, actor, comedian, Wayne Brady, who's hilarious. And uh, contestants come up, that come to the show. They're all dressed up to in these original costumes to get attention and they compete for money and prizes and they're playing games and it looks like tons of fun. So, Tiffany, I want to welcome you to the show. I know you're a nurse, so we love that. And you were also on this game show. So first, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, I was so excited. I think anyone loves hanging out with other nurses. You know, that's our favorite thing to do is when we're not at work, we talk about work because we're super passionate. So it was a room full of nurses with crazy costumes that all have the same sense of humor, all wanting to win just amazing prizes. I love it. I love it. We deserve prizes. You know, now before we get, you know, talking too much, so much about the game show and things that we can look forward to, every time we have a guest on the show, because, you know, I've had several nurses come on and other specialists and things like that. But one of the things that we always like to know and understand is what was your journey? Like you're a nurse. So what was your journey becoming a nurse and why nursing? Um, my journey is really unique and I always like to tell my story to younger nurses and newer nurses is forever my whole life I wanted to be a dental hygienist not a nurse um, I was super passionate I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do and then I became um, a dental assistant when I was 18 and I absolutely realized I did not want to do dentistry and my grandma was an ER nurse my whole entire life for almost 40 years. And she told me to become an EMT. So I became an EMT. I started working on the ambulance and also in we had a trauma center in my area in Palm Springs area I worked at and I absolutely loved it. And so I went to nursing school. I finished when I was 22 years old and was on my journey, you know, like all of us as new grads looking for jobs. And I got a job in labor and delivery. 
And honestly, I really thought I was going to be that ICU, ER, flight nurse. But in life, you realize we pivot through our, our career journeys. And it was it was just kind of meant to be. And I've been a labor nurse for 14 years now. And I work in a very high risk, high acute unit that almost feels like an emergency room and very fast paced. And I'm using those critical care skills that I always loved. And I don't plan on leaving the specialty. I love women's health. Oh, I love it. And I love that you love your specialty. I feel like that's so, so important. Uh, because in nursing, you can do so many things and everyone's journey is a little bit different. But once you find your niche, your passion, your thing, like that is what makes nursing more enjoyable because it's a ton of work, ton, ton, ton of work. But when you can find that passion, I mean, work is still work, but it does. It maybe doesn't always have to feel like work or you feel more rewarded or like your glass is more like you look at it more half full. And so. Um, I love that you love your specialty because I really get tired of hearing nurses like, I hate this. I hate that. Oh my gosh, if you hate it so much, find your area, find your thing. We can do anything. I think that's what's the best thing about nursing is if you want to go into cosmetics and plastics, if you want to work in an outpatient, you know, surgical center, you could do that. You could do education. There's so many ways to get involved or do something different now with telehealth. There's so many ways to get involved with that. But I think women's health, I didn't realize it was my passion until I got involved. And at my other hospital I used to work at with, they hired me as a new grad, took a chance on me. I was teaching like free prenatal classes to the community. And you really start to like figure out who you are as a nurse in those first few years. So it's disappointing when you start in an area or location that's not your passion because sometimes people think about losing, leaving the profession. And we don't want that. We just want them to find the right fit for what they love. Exactly. And did you just say that you were teaching prenatal classes to the community for free? Is that what you said, you guys? So you know, you know, she loves this specialty because when you do something for free, you love it. So I imagine you were uh, felt really rewarded by doing that. And you were actually fine tuning your specialty way before you even became a nurse, it sounds like, because you were so drawn to, you know, to that specialty. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, in our careers, sometimes we don't know what we need until it's presented to us. And I'm really, you know, happy with my career path. And I really love the education part of being a labor and delivery nurse because our patients trust us. They trust us on their whole journey. And I always say, I'm your cheerleader. We're going to get through it. Like, we're going to meet that baby. And I love when I get to meet the baby. I get mad if the baby's not out before the end of my shift. And then when we become moms, it kind of hits different because someone's doing that for us. And so over the years, we'd have patients be like, I can't believe what you do. Or your job is so physical, pushing with a patient for three or four hours or having emergencies that we have. And then I always would tell them, like, someone's going to do it for me one day. Like, this is why we do what we do, because someone's going to have to take care of us, too. And I think that's you always have to find your why in nursing and why you do what you do. And I think that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Yes, it is. And Tiffany, it sounds like you're a wonderful and passionate educator, not only for the community, but I'm sure you're probably like that to other nurses as well, because you've actually gone through the journey. So like, even though you aspired first to be a dental hygienist, that didn't happen. But you 
EMT, and then from there, nursing. So you've seen a lot of different things because I think some people, they come in just like, I just want to be a nurse and they've never had experience or the background that you've or the then the community service that you've done. So how do you think those things helped you in your journey? Like, do, do you think they made you a better nurse? Do you think that you would advise that for someone else to experience similar things before they jump into nursing? Yeah, I think it's always good to, you know, put your toe in, like, like would just put your foot out there and try. And like you said, you, how you got involved with the community. I think sometimes it builds your confidence because you're a new nurse and you're learning too, but you need to be confident in that role because you're off orientation. But just really as an EMT, being in the code room and the trauma room, sometimes my tasks were just cleaning things up or cleaning up wounds. But I would hear the conversations with the family members, the providers, the nurses, some of the uncomfortable conversations that I kind of just internalized because you know that's going to be you one day. So I always looked in those scenarios. If I was the nurse in that situation, how would I have handled it? Then now as you transition after years of experience, you're in those rooms when you're a preceptor with your orientee of building them up and trying to say, okay, this is what you're going to do in this scenario, or just pull me aside. We'll run through it before you call the doctor. That it's always, I think, important that no matter what your role is, whether you're an EMT, a tech, secretary, or any role on that healthcare unit, that you really understand what role you have and the importance of your role. And if you grow in your role, never forget what the experiences you learned and kind of take that with you. Yeah, never forget you were once the new nurse on the floor, guys. Okay. I think so very quickly, some people can forget. And it's when they become the preceptor. It's like they're, you got to do this. You got to do that. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Remember when you were in this role, how frightened, how kind of scattered you were, how unsure you were yourself. I think orientation, especially your first experience as a new grad is so critical to how you will forever view nursing, at least early on in your career and kind of make or break you. So, I mean, you're an experienced nurse and, you know, you've been doing women's health for over 14 years. And let me also say this, guys, people will think, oh, it's women's health, labor and delivery. Happy go lucky. Yes, but no. Okay. In the ER, when we get pregnant, we're like, oh, how far are they? Can they go to labor and delivery? Like we want to send them to labor and delivery because we're like, well, I don't, Put the little thing on their belt, that little heartbeat thingy, because I don't know. I mean, I know what it is, but that's not my specialty. I, I can do EKGs all day, every day. But if you ask me, look, I don't even remember what it's called right now. Fetal monitoring. Send them to L&D. And you guys do some really amazing work because you'll get people who maybe hadn't had any prenatal care. They come in. You don't know what they're de- you're dealing with or they're, I don't know, a, a variety of things. I've seen people in deliveries like they're on top of moms and pushing the babies and maneuvering stuff i'm like what is going on here we're wwf and wrestling trying to get baby who's breached and then it's like rush to c-section like a lot can go on and go wrong really quickly and it's like so funny because it's like everyone's a healthy normal mom until they're not you know and an emergency can happen no matter if it's your first baby or your fourth baby and it's being in a hospital setting and we have like portable monitoring so our patients can walk freely and being able to do like a saline lock so they're not on all these monitors all the time. But just 
things can go crazy. You know, being in the ER, we love those phone calls when they're like, hey, we have a patient down here because we want our patients because we know that. Send them to you. Yeah. You guys want to send them and we want our patients as long as everything from a cardiac standpoint or that that stuff's dialed in and good. But we, we want our people with us so we can make sure we deliver those babies when it's so uncomfortable for the other units when they see that. Yes. And then for, for those of you who don't know, when, when a woman comes into the emergency room and they're having uh, some type of illness or, you know, something's going on with them, we actually send them to labor and delivery for clearance first to make sure, okay, it's baby okay and all that stuff. And then they'll get cleared from L&D, then they'll come back down to us. And we're like, oh, shoot. Okay, now we got to, I mean, we love taking care of patients, but we're like, okay, please, nothing ever happened with baby because they've been cleared already. Let's focus on mom. I want to talk to you a little bit about, because you sound like such a passionate nurse and educator, especially educating the community and uh, working with new grads and the story that like you were just saying how how you work with new grads. So I'm just curious to know, as an experienced nurse, first of one, it's hard to I, I believe it's still hard to get into specialty areas, especially L&D, maybe ER and ICU with the pandemic. They're like, go just come on in. But, you know, L&D, it seems like it's always been a harder. It's like a a secret society. You have it's like like L and D and OR guys. It seems like those are two the two hardest specialties to like really get into because once people are in them, they don't want to leave. And so I don't know if there's always openings. But let's say you have a new grad who's coming to your specialty. How do you support uh, new nurses? Well, how I love to support new nurses is kind of get to know them and their clinical background. Because me personally, I really didn't have the best clinical experience in labor and delivery, and I think that's why it was hard for me when I got my originally job, because I think we always reflect on the experience we got when we're in school. And so I always want to know what they saw, what they didn't see, and then where we need to put in the work, kind of, because as a specialty, it is hard as a new grad when you only got so many weeks on that unit or the didactic was super short. And so I always tell everyone you need to be proactive about your knowledge and I make them look stuff up. So I'm like, oh, an accreta. Have you ever seen an accreta, pacreta before? If you have it, I want you to look it up. And then I want you to know what we need to be ready for if the patient were to bleed. And so I try and give them little goals too throughout their shift. So what's our goal that you get your IV started? What's your long-term goal? And I feel like we can reflect week after week of kind of what they've accomplished. And it really makes you feel good rather than feeling I'm brand new. I don't know anyone. No one knows me. I don't know the policies. I don't even know where to park or get food from the cafeteria. And now I have to learn this huge specialty when rather than drilling that all down and our goal is maybe just get your IV today and find a cervix. Like those are our two goals. And if we get it, we're good. We're golden. Like we won today if we get those two things. And I think just maintaining positivity because it's, you know, they're going to drive home or feel like they had a bad day or didn't do well and that you just need to continue to support them as it's OK to have a bad day and it's OK to celebrate the good days. But as long as they feel comfortable with you and talking through it, because I would hate to see someone leave the profession because of a bad orientation or just a bad experience. So I try and maintain positive for them. Listen, if your preceptor is not asking you, what are your short-term goals and long-term goals for the patient today or for yourself, you might need to have, you know, introduce that to your preceptor because I think that's important. I mean, you touched on a lot of things, uh, the characteristics of a good preceptor because 
let's face it, new grads are coming in. They are a big investment for the hospital. And it's really important that I feel that units, uh, managers, directors, whoever, match the new grads with someone who is patient, has good communication skills, um, can be objective. Because, listen, I've had some preceptors and I've seen some preceptors. They're like, just go. And they treat it like, well, you do this and I'll do that. And there's no guidance. There's no oversight. There's no collaboration. There's no like really checking in. Like you can go do a whole physical assessment, be unsure. And they're not even going to double check you at all. Cause like, oh, you're a nurse. You're fine. You're, you're licensed. Like you have a license, but that's not what it's about. It's about really fostering growth, knowledge, um, learning how to be comfortable, knowing where your resources are. And I think setting those goals, it helps set milestones to make sure that I'm progressing though, you know, I'm progressing well. And if I'm, if I'm not, we've identified, you know, what it is I need to do and kind of where I need to go. And so I like that you do that. And I listen, anybody who's listening is a preceptor. You should be doing these things. And also your, your preceptor is kind of like your therapist in a sense, like how you said, um, it's, it's okay to have a bad day. And you guys, you will have a bad day. That's inevitable. It's nursing, you know, we're just because it's so uncertain in our field. Like we want to take care of patients and do the best. We want everyone to be healthy, live well, and walk out that door. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And it's not because necessarily because of anything you did. It's just the nature of the field in which we are. And it's okay. We're all human as long as we learn and grow from it. Because maybe you didn't see an order and it's late now. Or there's so many things, no matter if you've been a nurse 20, 30, 40 years, something's going to happen. Like, we just need to figure out how we're going to handle it. If we're going to learn and grow from it, if we're going to tell our friends, hey, I, this happened the other day, make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and so it just is all in how you handle it. But I remember when I was a new grad, I had three preceptors over like a 12 week period. And I was so afraid of one of them. And I had her for <laughs> a chunk of time. And honestly, I learned the most from her. But sometimes you need that too. I think it's always good about pairing people up and not necessarily like your therapist, your support person, but some personalities. I needed someone to like push me a little bit because I was like, come on, let's go. And she's like, no, Tiff, you got this. And I was like, but I really like it when you're with me. I always like reflect on my experience and the pros and cons and the positives and the negatives and try and flip it. It really is impactful for who you are. Like I've been a nurse 14 years and I still won't forget when I was brand new and walked on my unit the first day. Oh, wow. I was scary as all get out. Oh, like my my goal was please don't kill anybody. Please let nobody die on my ship. I literally that because I was like, I don't know what to do yet. I think I mean, I passed the NCLEX, but like I just need to let me just please have safe patients. That's, I just want to save patients. I want a routine so I can kind of learn the flow. I want my patients to think I'm really nice and I want things just to be okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And who would have known that I had my first code, like, I think like on my second week and gosh, what an experience. But you know what? I learned so much from that experience. It was a bad day for me. I went, I cried. I cried. I cried like the rest of that shift. It happened early in the morning. I was a train wreck. I didn't go home, but I was like crying. People even tell like my eyes, you know, you're like, oh my God, are you sick? Do you need to go home? I had that kind of look on my face, but I made it through the day and I did a lot of reflection and I was taking a lot of things on personally, but you don't know what you don't know. So that's why you guys make the most of your orientation, ask questions. Whenever someone says, oh, it's just like that, or that's just how we do it. I'm like, mm -mm, hold on. I need to figure something out because 
one day it's not going to be like that. And I'm not going to know how to maneuver around that. So ask all the questions that you can. Like that's like your cherished time. Yes. Responsible, right? A hundred percent. The people want to necessarily like, I can do all these things. Yeah, that's great. I trust you, especially if you're an experienced nurse, brand new to the unit. But take the time to learn policies and procedures. Don't try and fly too soon. Just kind of hang out for a little bit. I think that we've all been guilty of, no, I can totally do it. Yeah, we, everyone knows that. And that's awesome. But take your time. The crazy stuff happens in our worlds in nursing. So when you have a friend designated to you for 12 hours, hang out with your friend, your preceptor, and enjoy every minute of it. I want all the orientation. Like, Al, do you feel like you come off orientation? No, no, no. I need that extra three shifts. I need it just to make sure. And then even after you come off orientation, making sure you have that buddy, like, okay, who's my buddy today? Because I need to make, you know, I might want to run some things past you and stuff like that. If we're forever doing that, even now, I mean, I run stuff by people like, okay, what do you think? Hey, you can look at this. Look at this laugh. I think, you know, what are your thoughts? Like, listen, don't ever feel like you have, no, there's no nurse that knows everything. And even for the very knowledgeable nurses, there's stuff that they still get, you know, perplexed by. Please don't get it twisted, guys. Things change. We start aging ourselves when we start talking about it because it's like people laugh because it's not a thing anymore. Like, oh, we don't do that anymore. They don't teach us that in school. It's like, oh my God, what are they teaching? Okay, well, you teach me. So, so literally everyone can learn from everyone. I also want to ask, so, okay, when someone says they work in labor and delivery, because there's different areas within labor and delivery, can you break that down for us? Yeah. So different hospitals can have different setups, but I've worked for couple hospitals. Hospitals have their own OB emergency department, but we're able to work there. So we would see patients 16 weeks and above and they'd be seen by a provider. So they wouldn't necessarily have to come see Nurse Alice. They would just come straight up the us. We have a regular triage department. We have recovery room, ORs. Then we have our labor and delivery rooms. And then we also have an antepartum area. So that's where we keep our moms pregnant. Those are the ones that sometimes have a little bit longer length of stay that are higher risk and that just need a closer eye where they need to be inpatient. So those are kind of the all different areas. We like to call ourselves a hospital within a hospital because it has really kind of get your little fill of if you're in the OR because we circulate in the operating room, we do pre and post. And so we kind of do a little bit of everything. Okay. And then is postpartum also within that in some hospitals, I've worked at a hospital where we'd also do postpartum on the same unit. So we would call that LDRP model, where I currently work postpartums in a different unit, but we would still be able to take care of the couplet mom. So it sounds like you get cross-trained for a lot. And guys, you, what you think is one patient is really two, sometimes three or four. You never know when you're delivering these babies, right? So what's the staffing like? The ratios? It's like it varies also. Like antepartum, it kind of depends on the stability of your patient. If your patient is on mag and like on a lot of different drips, they would be a one-to-one or sometimes a one-to-two. If they're really stable and they just have to be inpatient per their diagnosis, they might not even be on monitoring continuously. You could have up to four, almost like a like more like a med surge style patient in labor. You usually have two labor patients. If your patient gets an epidural or is going natural and progressing pretty fast, you're one-to-one. During deliveries, you're one-to-one. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. But when we're usually in our patient's rooms every 15 minutes or so, and we don't have like a CNA, 
helping us. So we really do the total care for all of our patients. And I worked at places where they have the birthing tubs with nitrous. And so that's definitely like a one-to-one type patient. So it's just kind of variable depending on the labor delivery unit you work in or if you work in a birthing center. But it's fun. It's a lot. It's we're in our rooms like all the time. Like we are with our patients the whole entire shift. It sounds like you have the opportunity to do a lot of cross training, but there's also must be must be someone who will be successful in that area, someone who's flexible with staffing and assignment changes, because it sounds like you might have two patients at once and then then you got to be one and one here. So someone has to absorb this patient. So you might take on someone else's patient and vice versa. So, guys, if this is your area, if this is the like, oh, I want to work here, just be mindful of that. A lot of similarities to ER. In ER, you're kind of like you're supposed to be able to like manage four patients or so. But then depending on the acuity, like if someone's co-stroke getting intubated, a pressure's dropping their septic, it's like, OK, I might have just one or two ICU patients. So you got to be very fluid and understand there's going to be a pace is going to change. So being flexible is important. But that's nursing, right? Didn't they tell you? I, they said in nursing school, be like a willow tree. You're going to have to blow where the wind blows. My sound corny guys, but I swear my instructors used to say that. Live in the gray in our department and you have to be adaptable and flexible. So know that if you're going to go into this specialty, you got to be okay with gray. Now, this sounds like a lot of work. So now to the play, now to the playtime. So Tiffany, obviously you work very hard at work. You're supporting your nurses. You're taking great care of your patients. You're being an awesome charge nurse and all these things. And that's at work. So it sounds like uh, recently you got, you were one of uh, several nurses who got to be a contestant on Let's Make a Deal. Now, you guys, for those of you, I hope you've been listening. If you haven't, you got to go back and listen to this whole episode. But, you know, Tiffany was one of the nurses who was on Let's Make a Deal. There's a, a nurse's episode. So can you imagine an episode of all nurses? Um, and this episode is going to air Nurses Week. And we know how TV land works, right? They record stuff. Um, and so Tiffany's on here with us. It's recorded, but I know she's, you know, certain things she can share and can't share, but I'm, I'm here for it, Tiffany. So whatever you can share with us, tell us, how did you get selected? And then tell us about the experience. Yeah, no, I, um, I applied online and I had kind of like a face-to-face little interview, kind of like FaceTime. And the producer love. I was actually nine months pregnant when I interviewed for it and we were kind of joking about it. And I told him, I was like, hey, I'll be on the show tomorrow. And if I go into labor, it would make great TV. And he's like laughing. And then I didn't really hear back for a while. And then they reached out and said, oh my gosh, we've been thinking about you. We hope you and the baby have been bonding and doing well. Um, But you're a nurse. We really enjoyed our conversation we had with you and this Nurses Day episode came up and we really wanted to invite you down. And so I'm like, um, heck yeah, I love Wayne Brady. Uh, my grandma was on the show actually years ago. And I think it was in 19, like 70 something. I don't remember. But she was on the show and it was so funny because like my grandpa and grandma would bicker about my grandma not bringing enough things in her purse because I don't know if you watch the show you know that they'll say does anyone have a paper clip or anyone have keys and if you have it you win a prize or you get something and so my grandpa never let it go and it was so funny like my whole childhood I remembered that story 
And I was so excited to share it when they screened me before, like when they interview you before you go on. But we got there, me and my husband dressed up as hippies. And um, I love that I got him to do it because he doesn't normally do stuff like that. So he kind of got out of his comfort zone. And it was so fun to see everyone dressed up. And just kind of like how we are as nurses, there's food, like you're in the break room, there's snacks, and we were just talking about all of our specialties. There were some like amazing nurses there. There was someone that worked as a military nurse, and I loved picking her brain about her story and where she currently works. And there's quite a few travelers that had great stories to share. A lot of critical care nurses were there. So it was just fun how you put 30 nurses in a room that there's just organic conversations that happen because we all kind of share that bond together but so like the costumes were great so it was a candle we had Florence Nightingale in the audience um like it was they did like everyone did so good with their costumes and then the energy was just out of control after I left I was like oh my gosh like I just worked a 12-hour shift screaming and yelling and clapping and the energy, it's its going to be such a good show. Like, I'm so excited for everyone to watch because, you know, nurses, we're loud, we're proud, we like snacks, we like food, <laughs> but it was literally so fun. I think the one of the best things that came out of it is Florence Nightingale, so she was dressed that way. We really hit it off. She ended up living in the same city I live in, and she was a contestant, and she was a labor and delivery nurse. Now she's an educator, and we switch numbers and we already had plans now we've been talking ever since the show i had no idea who she was before the show and we have plans to go to a football game next season together so i made a lifelong friend from let's make a deal which is awesome and that just kind of shows you how close all of the nurses really are without even knowing each other we're family like you don't have to know a nurse but once you know there's a nurse and i'm like oh hey like you instantly bond and connect because I know your struggles. I know I know your pain points. You know mine. And we know what makes nurses happy. And I think that was probably a wonderful change of pace from having to go to, you know, the stresses of work to being able to like kind of get together with like nurse family and celebrate, have fun, dress up. It's like a party. The party, party yeah, advice. We're all joking because once you can, like, you have to use the restroom before they start taping. And once you start taping, you can't leave. And I was like, we got nurse bladders. We're fine. We, yeah. You know, we don't need to go to the bathroom. And like, the producers were like, oh my gosh, like, these nurses are a different breed of people. Nurses have, listen, we're very professional, but we have our, our fun side of us, our fun, energetic. Like, we can go long, we can go hard, and just, like, really put on a show. So, it sounds like you guys had an amazing time. I'm sure Wayne Brady, he's hilarious. It's so funny. And just, like, the life of the party. And I think he wasn't ready for the nursing energy that we brought. And I think oh. he stepped back a little bit, like, okay, I see what they're doing here. And so, it was him, Jonathan, Tiffany, like, even the, like, the producers on the show, they were all, like, so fun like they you could tell they really love their job like we really love our job and are passionate but just kind of the commentary in between takes and everything was just a blast tell us a little bit about like when it airs at least something it airs on may 8th it's amazing we're gonna have a party in the break room we're gonna have it on 
but I wish I could say more, but I just really want everyone to watch. I think I think that I think they're going to really love it. I think the passion of nursing is going to come through in that episode and they're going to be really excited. I love it. Yeah, I, I know you guys made us proud because, I mean, everyone's going to watch it. They're going to see all the wonderful, great energy and synergy from the nurses. And I've watched that show before. Some really great prizes. So, guys, check this out. We are going. I'm pretty sure this show is so amazing that they're going to want to do this at least every year, if not more often. Um, and if they do, we're going to have to make sure we spread the word here on the show so we can get more nurses to, you know, audition for the show because everybody wants to to win fun prizes and make friends. Like, listen, you get in a room with a bunch of nurses, you're already buddies, you're already family. OK, so Tiffany, I we can't wait to watch the show, guys. It's Let's Make a Deal. It's the nurses episode airing Nurses Week. So May 8th is the day. So mark your calendars. A pizza party, uh, put it on in the break room, whatever's going on. We got to support our nurses. Make sure you take your social media channels, share it, blast it. Like we got, pe- we need to let people know what kind of energy we nurses really, really bring. So uh, when we say let's make a deal, oh, honey, nurses, we go- we're going to make a deal. We are going to make a deal and we're going to support uh, our colleagues and our friends and our fellow nurses. So Tiffany, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Um, but then also sharing your wonderful journey. Thanks to Nurse.org for hosting the podcast. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Nurse.org. So thank you to them. Make sure to check out Nurse.org for all your latest and greatest information on anything professional, practice, policy, educations, finance, student loans, and just what's going on, a little gossip, a little tea about things that impact us as nurses and things we should know about. And let us know what you think about the podcast. Um, leave your rating and your view on whichever platform you're listening to. And then also you can email me at nursealice at nursealice.org. And also send a voicemail text message to 725-910-9676. Let us know what you thought about the episode. And if you have an idea, suggestion, or want to be a guest on the next episode, you can let us know there too. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to share this with a friend, a colleague, a classmate, a coworker, an aspiring nursing student. I think we all can benefit from information like this. And hey, we are a nursing family. We're a community. It's good to support one another and hear what each other is talking about so we can kind of support throw our two cents in the conversation or even pass the message on to someone else who might need it. So thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Nurse Alice. As always, please, guys, until next time, make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources. 